All right, I think we've started recording. I'm going to do my best here to operate without a script while maintaining a coherent strain of thought. Comment down below when we're through how relatively good or bad of a job I did of that. I was starting to research a topic today that led me back to remembering other topics that I've been interested in, and some of which we've even talked about on the podcast before. Um, and that was born out of my ongoing interest and following of the topic of artificial intelligence, of course, um, ChatGPT and the other popular large language models of the current milieu, GPT certainly being I would say right now, far and away, the most talked about of all of the many operants in this space. Uh, a few days ago, there was an open AI dev day where they gave a bunch of internal TED Talk-like rah-rah speeches about the latest developments there at OpenAI. And uh, among other things, it had me thinking about a type of particular type of artificial intelligence that is on the horizon. Um, and I say on the horizon, but really, I don't know to what extent it's not already being heavily implemented and developed and uh, applied and put to work. That being swarm intelligence, swarm AI. Um, I, of course, Think of drone swarms, some of which I've already seen myself in Western Washington, in South Seattle, not even downtown Seattle in the last year. I've seen uh, elaborate, really cool aerial displays performed by dozens, if not, you know, a hundred drones or more right over our local downtown area. Um, and of course, that is a, a display that's a pre-programmed set of operations, but naturally the analogy that comes to mind when you see those uh, drones flying in formation and changing formations, forming designs, letters and, and sentences and marquees and animals in the sky, um, that what you're witnessing is a swarm of some sort, a flock a school uh, of drones in this case, but the natural likening goes right back to everything we see in nature, bees, ants, birds uh, on their migratory routes, etc. Um, people have long talked about the interesting seeming preternatural intelligence of that you know, school of fish and their behavior. Now, we exploit that behavior as well. Fishermen do. Uh, by knowing a creature's natural tendencies and its natural inclinations and means of responding dynamically to threats in, in its environment, or let's just say stimuli, positive or negative, um, Fishermen have learned to 
corral fish rather readily in the ocean with big wide nets that go down to a certain depth right about where the fish are feeding anyway and where they need to exist to stay above certain predators that are deeper in the water and stay below predators that may be closer to the surface of the water or other dangers of being closer to the surface of the water. Um, so got excited about researching swarm artificial intelligence. I've got a screen share ready to go up on screen with you here of a, a short talk by what appears to be a scientist or some sort of evangelist for swarm artificial intelligence. And um, I didn't have to look very far to find this video at all on YouTube. And um, nor did it disappoint in what I was wondering, which is, you know, how how human are they trying to make swarm intelligence and how seriously and how how soon sort of sort of thing thoughts thoughts along those lines uh, so we're going to play a good bit of this we're going to play it at a uh, slightly accelerated speed and i'll probably scrub through it a bit um i'll probably pause it once or twice and interject and we'll probably stop short of playing all of it you know, YouTube fair use and educational transformative intents all being absolutely the case here. Um, I've subbed to this channel for what it's worth, and we'll we'll keep an eye on on this channel, Unanimous AI. Um, moving forward, see what else they might be releasing about this. this is a small channel, uh, you know, fifteen hundred subscribers. You know, my, my channel's size. But let's let's press play for a minute and, and listen to this gentleman tell us a little bit more about Swarm AI, and then we'll riff off of that a little bit. And then I have a few open tabs in another browser that I want to sort of take us through one at a time uh, and just sort of connect some dots, so to speak, um, if that makes sense. So I hope this will be fun for you. Um, I find this to be an interesting interesting topic and it's going to lead us to some other vocab words that if you've been listening for a while you've heard me mention before and that's what this is really about is that I started looking into this and i started thinking about the other stuff so let's do it let's make sure okay i've got you guys are looking at it it's looking good and you should have audio on this tab when I play it. The answer goes all the way back to the birds and the bees and fish and ants. All of these creatures have evolved methods of amplifying their intelligence by thinking together, thinking together in systems. This is why birds slowly walk and fish to like and bees swarm. They're smarter least. together than alone. Now, I'm not talking about crowdsourcing like we humans do by taking votes and polls and surveys. I'm talking about forming systems, real-time systems with feedback loops so deeply interconnected that a new intelligence forms, an emergent intelligence with its own personality and intellect. I'm talking about forming a hive mind. Biologists call this swarm intelligence, and it's a natural step in the evolution of most social species. I like to think about it this way. A brain is a system of neurons so deeply connected that an intelligence forms. A swarm 
is a system of brains so deeply connected that a superintelligence forms. Simply put, a swarm is a brain of brains, and it can be smarter a than any individual brains. Member. So let me give you an example. Honeybees. This is about 10,000 bees, and they have a very difficult problem to solve. They need to find a new home to move into. That new home could be a hollow log or the hole in the side of the building, or if you're unlucky like I was, a crawl space in your garage. Now, this, this sounds like a simple problem, but this is a life or death decision that could impact the survival of the colony for generations. So to solve this problem, the colony sends out hundreds of scout bees, which search a 30-square-mile area and find dozens of candidate sites. That's the easy part. The hard part is that they then need to pick the best possible solution from all the options that they've discovered. Now, here's the rub. Honeybees have a tiny brain. It's smaller than a grain of sand and has less than a million neurons. You have 85 billion neurons. So however smart you think you are, divide that by 85,000, and that's a honeybee. You probably don't want a honeybee picking a new home for you. And yet honeybees are very discriminating house hunters. They need to find a new home that's large enough to store the honey they need for the winter, that's ventilated well enough to stay cool in the summer. That okay, spoiler alert. I did, of course, listen to this uh, talk already once. Uh, honeybees are great at finding, you know, an appropriate home over 80% of the time. This is an example of their particular style of uh, swarm intelligence. And, um, you know, we, we've all heard the honeybee example given somewhere before in reference to something close to this topic. So we're going to scrub forward. We're going to jump to the next section of his talk here. And unlike us humans, the bees don't entrench. They don't fall into gridlock. They don't settle for a bad solution that nobody's happy with. They find the solution that's best for the group as a whole. And I point this out because... Okay, so the, the bees' solution is unremittingly utilitarian. Uh, if unremittingly is accurate here, unmitigatedly. So signals the bees engage in a multi-directional tug of war pushing and pulling on the decision until they find the one solution that they can best agree upon and it's usually the optimal solution and unlike us humans the bees don't entrench they don't fall into gridlock they don't settle for a bad solution that nobody's happy with they find the solution that's best for the group as a whole and i point this out because the phrase hive mind often gets a bad rap implying a group of mindless drones who can't think for themselves that's certainly how science fiction portrays it but it's just not true foreshadowing so a hive mind is nature's way of aggregating the diverse perspectives of a population and maximizing their collective wisdom and let's be honest we humans are pretty smart as individuals but in groups we're not always so smart. We, that's because we, we combine our, our opinions using votes and polls and surveys. The problem is polls are polarizing. They drive us to entrench, exposing and reinforcing our differences between nothing to help us find common ground. Swarms are the opposite. They're flexible and dynamic, revealing where we agree most. In other words, swarming doesn't just make a species smarter. It makes a species wiser. Now, we shouldn't feel bad that smarter so and wiser doing this for 30 million years. We've only been around when for a swarm, years and we'll smarter and wiser when a years. Our next big evolutionary pressure point might hit us within just a few decades, which is why I asked myself an important question. Why can't we human? So he wants to head off an evolutionary pressure point. We'll catch up, which brings me back to the problem I started with. We might not have a few million years. Our next big evolutionary pressure point might hit us within just a few decades which is why I asked myself an important question. Why can't we humans amplify our intelligence now? If birds and bees and fish can form a brain of brains, why can't people do it? That's what I wanted to know. So a few years ago, I founded a unique artificial intelligence company called Unanimous AI. We build hive minds. And really what we mean by this is we take network human groups. And I'm talking about groups like groups of consumers, groups of voters, business teams, sports fans, and we turn them into- I'm not sure where, like who he's addressing, like who this group is, audiences, pitching somebody, I guess, or- natural swarm. Over the last few years, we've been modeling how swarms like this amplify the intelligence of groups, and we've been using those models to create the algorithms and interfaces that enable humans to form similar swarms online. This is a human swarm. It's about 100 people, and they're all working together to move that glass puck. Each of the little magnets you see is a person logged in from somewhere around the world 
So, you know, we're swarming online already. They're swarming online here in a focused and um, intentional uh, overt way to, you know, illustrate swarming to the to the general public and uh, maybe they're also conducting research on it at the same time i posit that we also swarm all day every day um on every social media platform that we collectively participate together on um every algorithm that we interact with things like the youtube algorithm um search algorithms on the internet and Google searching hot button topics and issues. Um, I posit that this swarming is, you know, happening already. And uh, that if a dummy like me or anybody can sort of even grok that on the dimmest of levels, then, you know, smart, smart people with bigger, better computers than us and platforms to leverage their messages upon, etc., cetera, uh, resources uh, and, and like-minded uh, supporters backing them that, you know, swarming would happen at many different scales and almost always... Um, right now online digitally almost always are occurring in some sort of curated or manipulated fashion okay yeah something like that and by moving their magnet they're varying their opinions in real time pushing and pulling on the system until they can converge on the one solution that they can best agree upon and it's usually the optimal solution so how can a swarm like this answer questions let me show you some examples so uh, last year, CBS challenged us to predict the Kentucky Derby, not just the winner, the first four horses in order. In horse racing, this is called the Superfecta, and last year it went up at 540. Uh, spoiler alert, they picked a bunch of winning horses uh, as a hive mind. Uh, none of the people were like super horse picker experts. Um, turned $20 into $11,000 in wins. He bet $20 and won $11,000 in winnings. Um, you know, they they did a couple other experiments uh, the same way. Individually, they were 40% accurate when they voted and, and uh, did a poll. They were 47% accurate when they did the hive mind thing, 76% accurate without anybody really being predictive gods themselves, you know, um, super thinkers of any kind, uh, super subject matter experts, etc. cetera. Uh, the collective accuracy, you know, took a jump. So let's see. Yeah, we'll let them wrap it up. It's, uh, you know, the, the Hollywood the night left. Now, those are just two examples, but study after study showed that when people think together as swarms, we can amplify their intelligence by 20%, 40%, 60%. And that's, that's using current technology. The long-term potential is likely much greater. After all, if a swarm of bees can solve problems that rival a human brain, a swarm of humans should be able to solve problems that we can't even conceive. We should be able to eventually form a true super intelligence. And because the building blocks are people, Tapping not just our knowledge, but our values and morals and sensibilities, the resulting superintelligence will not be alien. It will be human, just smarter and wiser. In fact, we might be able to solve some of the hardest problems we face, like poverty and inequality and sustainability. And so the next time someone uses the phrase hive mind as a negative, remember this, if honeybees could observe how we humans make big group decisions, 
like electing our leaders or resolving our conflicts or planning for our future, they might think we're the primitive ones, but not for long. Thanks. Not for long. So, um, you know, whoever he's working for is actively working on it. Please stop. We are going to kill that tab and uh, we, hello, I'm back for just a moment while I get us back into a uh, screen. But before we do, yeah, you know, he's working for somebody who's already building these swarms. And by building swarms, I mean, evidently working with human swarms, not just digital swarms. Um, I don't have to connect the dots for you. We, we know about things such as Neuralink. Um, and we'll get there in just a second. So um, let me get another screen going for you here and we'll try to keep her moving. All right, I don't think I need any more audio, so I'm just gonna try to share this entire screen. Okay, so briefly, we found a white paper on swarm intelligence right here, and it's by some group called Atos Thought Leadership, right? Who are they? Who knows? Weird, shadowy, multinational of some kind. Atos group right here. Uh, worldwide digital leader, $11 billion in revenue, 105,000 employees, 69 countries. And for what it's worth, Olympic and Paralympic Games worldwide partner. Anyway, Atos has a 16-page white paper. I'm going to include the link to the YouTube video we just watched and to this white paper, maybe one or two of these other links uh, in the description of this video when it goes up. So we're just going to take a peek at this doc. I, I, I won't read the whole thing at all. We'll move on. But abstract swarming as an evolutionary advantage using animal swarms as a source of information inspiration we define swarm intelligence and investigate how si can be applied in the human domain natural swarms demonstrate how the ability to apply the power of many through self-organization creates an evolutionary advantage hence an enabler of survival of the species we therefore position si as an organizational paradigm these guys are of course now you'll you'll pick this up the language wow that my little shade fell off the light if you, you see that that's amazing um and my shade is a piece of folded paper that's not taped up there so uh these guys are pitching this to corporate like boards of directors and stuff they want to run corporations with swarm intelligence. Swarm intelligence is a way to exploit human capital. Humans being just a specific kind of animal also have a tendency to swarm, but from a more social cultural than a sur survival perspective, our capability for self-organization, the key feature of SI is unprecedented. The majority of the artifacts that surround us are the result of how we mutually interact, i.e. how we manage to organize ourselves as humans. Uh, going down, swarm intelligence as the basis for a global platform. This is a good paragraph. If we want to explore how SI can help us at macroeconomic level, there are some challenges. Turning to the digital world, we see there how people adopt swarm behavior, e.g. in communities, often on a global scale. Okay, again, 
if we can see it at the dimmest level, organize people with money to make fancy pretty PDFs like this and present them around to people in weird rooms um, are going to take a methodical approach to understanding it, explaining it, and deciding how they can apply it to make money. Um, to, you know, outthink their competitors, etc. So we also see how SI models do not really emerge as the conditions for SI so that this is, you know, we see it happen online, tremendous opportunities to organize ourselves regardless of place or time, but we see how they, the SI models don't really emerge as the conditions for SI to function are not met. Quite often lack of trust being the major blocking factor. What is missing are the platforms for people to interact in a trusted way, relying on a next generation internet only accessible for people with e-identities issued by governmental authorities an internet of people. Uh, we've all heard that term about the internet of things too, right? And that's another thing that comes up all the time when we talk about bots, botnets, and swarm-like behavior online. Click farms, um, brigading, all of it. Okay, so... Just to recap, what is missing are the platforms for people to interact in a trusted way, relying on a next generation internet only accessible for people with e-identities issued by governmental authorities and internet of people. Blockchain is an example of a platform architecture that enables people to operate in a swarm manner. Yeah, blockchain is doing great right now. Swarm intelligence, taking advantage of commoditized computational devices. So there, there, um, I think, giving a nod to the IOT in similar ways as we explored for organizations, centralized expensive processing has become a bottleneck in many areas as computing power nowadays is omnipresent, interconnected and commoditized. A decentralized processing architecture can be realized at low cost. Such an architecture. So this is important to understand you guys. Um, nothing is monolithic anymore and there's massive redundancy built into every platform and every platform going forward will only leverage methodologies like that, you know, foundationally moving forward because they just don't want to be, you never want to be able to be stamped out in one fell swoop ever, right? Um, no DDoS attack can take you down if you have limitless backups, mirrors, redirects, you know, um, supportive servers that can uh, load balance and that can seamlessly fill the breach. That's a key component of swarm intelligence is a system that self-organizes, has autonomy, and uh, is self-healing when agents that are members of the org, the swarm, the hive mind are added or taken away. Swarm intelligence in converging digital and physical worlds. What can we expect in the future from swarm intelligence? Is swarm intelligence going to be a game changer? No doubt. In our view, the answer is yes, all caps. In our complex world and fast-paced, constantly evolving environment, it is more than ever time to act as a person or a company smarter than others. Let's be swarm intelligence-minded to better, colon, answer questions, make predictions, optimize opinions, crazy term, generate forecasts, reach decisions. Uh, so in a world where 
in which almost all people and devices are connected, we argue in this paper that we should start to think about how to exploit this huge potential by developing SI-based digital and human solutions. It's striking to see how swarm intelligence is at stake in most of the influential technologies and associated business opportunities and challenges Atos put forward in its vision journey 2022. Let's be ready to reap the rewards of the swarm intelligence promise. It's time to engage with nature. Will your company be a disruptor or will it be disrupted? Take the right decisions faster than competition. Create top class value from an ultra connected world. So, you know, this is, you know, corporate gobbledygook of the worst sort, I know. Uh, so we won't go into the full articles here other than to say I've I've been previewing it and it's a compelling and interesting little white paper. Um, they have a number of different types of swarm intelligence identified here. Um, they have, you know, I mean, you're looking at it, schools of thought and exploring how man-made systems can be designed to exhibit SI features. Again, just they're constantly trying to coax this behavior out of us, at least, you know, in this, in this white paper and in the talk we just listened to. This is the goal of these folks. Three schools of thought are found in literature and practice, focusing each on SI from a specific angle. One, algorithmic school. Research in this domain addresses the development and application of mathematical algorithms to resolve computational problems inspired by natural swarms. Two, organizational school. The subject of this school is to investigate how SI principles can be applied in the design of processes and structures in which people are the swarms agents to overcome problems encountered in classical organizational models. People are the swarms agents to overcome problems encountered in classical organizational models. So that is to say you would transform an organization into a swarm or a hive. Automation school. This school studies how automated devices in the IT domain, like robots, computers, or programs, can apply SI principles to improve execution of specific tasks, often making use of the algorithms studied by the first school. longer breakdowns on each of these three schools, swarming in the digital world, prerequisites for successful communities in the digital world, what future organizations will look like. We remember at the top of this white paper, they discussed the need for governmental issued digital identities. Uh, so this is a interesting white paper. They got some infographics. We're gonna move on from it. But again, please check it out. As always, I try to give you guys detailed show notes when I put up a real episode on any topic and uh, document things as decently as I can so that you can, you know, form your own opinion. That's it. We're just opining here. Opine together. Opine independently. This is what I got for you. All right, so we went to, yeah. So this all reminded me of a little something I know of as cybernetics. And I've talked about it a few different times on the podcast. Uh, most, most clearly, probably in my episode on something called the bicameral mind. Um, and that should be easy to search, you know, baked and awake, the bicameral mind. And there's an episode on YouTube and on all the podcast 
platforms uh, on this uh, on this topic. So cybernetics or control theory as it is applied to complex systems. I'm going to give you guys a little quick review and then we'll move on from it. But cybernetics is associated with models in which a monitor compares what is happening to a system at various sampling times with some standard of what should be happening. And a controller adjusts the system's behavior accordingly. The term cybernetics comes from the ancient Greek word kybernetikos, aka good at steering or those who steer. Referring to the art of the helmsman, the pilot. In the first half of the 19th century, the French physicist Audrey Marie Ampère, in his classification of the sciences, suggested that the still non-existent science of the control of governments be called cybernetics. The term was soon forgotten, however, and it was not used again until the American mathematician Norbert Wiener published his book Cybernetics in 1948. In that book, Wiener made reference to an 1868 article by the British physicist James Clerk Maxwell on governors and pointed out that the term governor is derived via Latin from the same Greek word that gives rise to cybernetics. The date of Wiener's publication is generally accepted as marking the birth of cybernetics as an independent science. Uh, so cybernetics, that's a vocab word for you. Look into it much, much further. It is rich and interesting. Uh, cybernetics, as it was presented to me in a number of places, and as you go to investigate it yourself, you will quickly come to understand it as well, to be sort of a set of uh, methods and rules that would be crafted around any given organism uh, or creature or group of creatures that you seek to understand or um you know, influence in some way, uh, positive, be it positive or negative, um, to get a desirable result. Think of a herd of cattle and uh, the ways in which farmers and uh, ranchers and eventually the, uh, the butchers who will follow them in their connectedness with the cows through their lives uh, will, at many steps through the husbandry of the animals, shape their environment and create systems that uh, are calming to them and uh, beneficial to them in a lot of ways, but also which make it safer for the farmer to be around the large animals and make it possible for the animals to avoid injuries so that they can grow to full maturity and, uh, you know, yield good meat and yield good uh, milk, etc. along the way. Uh, and that maybe when they're, uh, you know, done being fully harvested, you know, even their uh, skin and their hide is of good quality and can also, again, since it hasn't been damaged during its whole life, uh, be harvested most fully and efficiently. Um, those animals, just like you and I, are, and yeah, we do have our screen going properly still, <laughs> we're pain avoiding pleasure-seeking beings. And cybernetics sort of exploits our, their understanding of whatever pain you want to avoid and whatever pleasure you want to seek. Interestingly enough, the pleasures that you want to seek are almost certainly the exact same ones that I do. Amazing. So, you know, this little article, Psychology Today, talks about how 
a 20th century neuroscientist, uh, the, the father of the writer of this article, he investigated an older doctor, scientist, whatever the heck, Thorndike. And uh, Thorndike's law of effect, which is actually what sort of succinctly explains this pain avoidant pleasure seeking. It posits that all animals, including humans, are hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid pain, played out in the brain. So Thorndike did some animal experiments a la Pavlov and Pavlov's dogs, the drooling dogs, the famous drooling dogs, um, that sort of informed his conclusions. Uh, so let's briefly jump to Thorn Thorndike's law of effect. We're going to listen to the article together. Thorndike's Law of Effect. Thorndike's Law of Effect in Animal Behavior and Conditioning, the postulate developed by American psychologist Edward L. Thorndike in 1905 that argued that the probability that a particular stimulus will repeatedly elicit a particular learned response depends on the perceived consequences of the response. In addition, new stimulus The probability that a particular stimulus will repeatedly elicit a particular learned response depends on the perceived consequences of the response. That's cybernetics in a nutshell. Fuck around and find out by more scientific terms, right? Response connections are strengthened only if the response is followed by behavioral responses that were most closely followed by a satisfying result. This concept can be illustrated in an experiment in which a rat presses a lever to receive either a reward or a punishment. A rat whose operation of a lever is followed by the delivery of a food pellet will press the lever again. In contrast, if the only consequence of pressing the lever is the delivery of a painful electrical shock, the rat will not press the lever in the future, which illustrates what has been called the negative law of effect. In another example, Thorndike placed a cat within a box with a lever that... I think we got Thorndike, right? Let's move on. Next tab. Operant conditioning. Uh, this one's a little longer. We won't listen to the whole thing either. We Operant will uh, give it a shot though. Here. Operant conditioning in psychology and the study of human and animal behavior, a mechanism of learning through which humans and animals come to perform or to avoid performing certain behaviors in response to the presence or absence of certain environmental stimuli. The behaviors are voluntary, that is, the human or animal subjects decide whether to perform them, and reversible, that is, once a stimulus that results in a given behavior is removed, the behavior may disappear. Operant conditioning thus demonstrates that organisms may be guided by consequences, whether positive or negative, in the behaviors they produce. And actually, we don't need to go much further than that. So operant conditioning is a more subtle form of cybernetics sort of uh, control methodologies, in my opinion. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, please comment below if I'm an idiot. OK, like I would love to I would love to hear from you on this topic, but seriously, um, operant conditioning is what I would argue that we operate under every single day, uh, especially when we're operating in public and semi-public forums, and all the more so when they're attached to our real-world identities or a uh, well-defined, crafted digital identity that or persona that we put out into the world. So by that, I mean uh, when I interact with the, the world, whether it be on Facebook or LinkedIn or YouTube through one of my YouTube uh, 
channels, you know, content that I'm creating here and opinions that I'm expressing here and on my podcast, I'm governed by operant conditioning. And, you know, part of that has been evident in my own self-censorship to a large extent over the last couple of years as I grapple every single day with the perceived consequences of my behaviors and what I say and do in the public sphere. So, you know, the more I express my personal opinions and the more I sort of explicitly spell them out and state them, get on a soapbox and say, this is the way I feel about this or that. That's me, I guess, trying dimly and feebly to fight against being hived, swarmed, being a mindless part of the hive mind. But is is the hive mind as mindless as I think it is? Or are my personal feelings as wrong or dumb or ignorant as the hive mind tends to make me feel sometimes. Am I the only one who feels like this? Or do we all feel a little bit like this? Operant conditioning is a softer touch approach than electroshocks. But is it any less effective? I would argue no, of course. And the fact that the given behaviors are voluntary and, uh, you know, the human subject decides whether to perform it and it's reversible. That is to say, you could, you, you have the choice to go either way. You can speak if you want. You can say what you want, but there's consequences. Watch out for those consequences. So having fun. We're getting to the end of it, really. You know, my last few tabs are simply this. Uh, I saw the... OpenAI Dev Day the other day, and I heard some, I watched some video from somebody at one point. We're not going to do it now because we've done enough. Uh, somebody talked that day about agent swarms. So GPT-4 is coming. GPT-4 Turbo is coming. Somebody on Reddit the other day said GPT-5 is out. It's in the house. It's got a weird name like Gobi. And they say, you know, general artificial intelligence AGI has been achieved internally, some leaker from Reddit. Um, the talker at OpenAI was talking about how already, you know, what's coming is everything that you've been using outside of Open, outside of GPT, Dolly 2 and Midjourney and this and that, the, the, the helper uh, agents, the multimodals that extend GPT's functionality bunch of them are getting rolled right into GPT. They're just going to be there 
in the background ready to be called up or already working in the background ready to be interacted with ready to be assigned out to tasks uh you can see here i'll just read the titles of these videos you know this is what i would suggest you search if you want to catch a bunch of stuff similar to this on youtube right now chat gpt agent swarms was my search term and i've got building ai swarms with open ai's gpts open ai agent swarm let's build an autonomous agent how to create custom gpts easily open ai assistant creation so um and again this is all oriented towards you know, AI prompt master wannabes and or people who actually are perhaps trying to make their way in the emerging professional space. Putting GPTs to work, probably people like this are going to be the ones going to work for companies that read white papers like the ATOS white paper on swarm intelligence. It goes on. So, yeah. And, you know, so then that's about it. You know, we're pretty much there. Right. Um, FDA approval of human testing of Neuralink. Neuralink will make us hive mindable in a even more profound way. I argue that it's already pretty profound as I sit here in front of two monitors and a keyboard with a sacred glowing reptile reptile rectangle wow <laughs> rep rectangle sacred glowing rectangle in front of me here um yeah swarm intelligence you guys what do you think tell me tell me what you think you know yeah they 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 killed some monkeys on the on the way 1500 monkeys since 2018 getting Neuralink to the point where they could approve it for human testing that's still human testing so i don't know it's not it's not at the mall yet um here's my script uh from the bicameral mind episode uh up on screen right now and uh that was uh the the origin of consciousness in the breakdown of the bicameral mind by a gentleman named julian james uh this sent me down a huge rabbit hole of really interesting uh, research, and you can see here at the top of the dock, I'm looking at, you know, from under the origin of consciousness, the very next thing is cybernetics, Norbert Wiener, behavioralism, okay, cybernetics and behavioralism, deeply connected concepts. Uh, there was a really fascinating um, but weird thread on Reddit from a guy with his own subreddit called Homo Divinus. It's an interesting um, subreddit that individual has some very extreme very weird views um that by no means do i entirely subscribe to at all i don't even mean to say entirely subscribe to i would say you know amazing story that he tells there with his homo divinus story but it isn't it isn't what we were talking about here today okay it wasn't what we were talking about here today that's for darn sure um but all these show notes and links are with the original episode um the origin of consciousness and the bicameral mind. It might just be the bicameral mind baked in awake on, on YouTube. Um, but yeah, just interesting, interesting stuff. How long do we have before, you know, the human Borg transhumanist hive mind takeover? I don't, I don't think it's a matter of if really, I think they're going to do it to us all 
maybe I guess they already have. Because as I said, we're already swarming. We're already hiving. We're already self-censoring. We're already constantly seeking consensus with everyone around us, whether we think we are or not. Because uh, to do otherwise is to pretty much wake up every day and choose violence in, in, a, in a matter of speaking. I think you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. All right. It's been fun. Uh, it's probably close to an hour, 40, 45 minutes. And we're doing this in like a one take kind of, um, you know, doing it live kind of vibe here, low production value. But I hope that subject matter was interesting enough to have been of some value. Um, you know, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, please like and subscribe. You know the deal. Comments really help. Um, I'm trying to get back into the seat somehow, everybody. So uh, show love and I'll keep on going, right? <laughs> All right. You guys are awesome. Uh, don't get hived. Don't get swarmed. Um, smoke some indica. Do shit anyway. All right. That's what I try to do. What else can we do?